Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. What a beautiful picture here uh, in this psalm. We'll share it together in just a moment. Just a short chapter. Psalm 23. We have six verses. And yet a wonderful message uh, included in this psalm today. Psalm 23. When you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. And we'll begin in verse 1 after our prayer. And ask the Lord to bless His Word to our hearts today. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, how we love You today and how we thank You for Your precious Word. We thank You for this time of year, Lord, the spirit of Christmas, the meaning and the message of the manger and the cross. Lord, we thank You for the coming of Christ that, uh, Lord, gives us hope. And we ask You now to bless the reading of Your Word. We uh, thank You for this precious psalm. We pray You'd use it now to comfort our hearts, to encourage us, Lord, to strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Psalm 23, and let's look together at verse 1. The Bible says there, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? You know, we think of Psalm 23 and so often this psalm is read at a funeral or a memorial service. But this is not a psalm about death. It's a psalm about life. And I want us to think that way as we go through it one more time. I'd like you just to read it with me. Just a few verses here. Look at verse 1, and let's say this, these verses together. Ready? Verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that a wonderful thought? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's the thought I want to preach on this morning. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful picture here the psalmist paints about life. Just like real life, death comes at the end. And that's what he's talking about in verse 6. It comes after the expression, all the days of my life. You know, we, we see the psalmist describing here life as it happens. And he talks about the goods and the bads, the ups and the downs. He talks about the Lord leading us, the lying down in green pastures, the restoring our soul. Uh, then he talks about uh, turbulence and walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You ever had a near-death experience or maybe something you thought you didn't know if you were going to make it through that? But you did. God brought you through it. 
uh, his presence was with you. Looking back, it's kind of like the little footprints poem. And you know, you saw those set of footprints. God said, I carried you through that. And uh, isn't that wonderful to know the Lord and have him walk through life with you? That's what we have captured in this wonderful psalm, Psalm 23. The Bible teaches us that our earthly body is only a tent or a tabernacle. It is not our permanent dwelling place. He closes this psalm with the thought of being with the Lord forever. When we read this chapter, we're reminded that we're pilgrims and we're strangers in this world. We're only passing through this life. Here on earth, everything comes to an end. And we don't know anything down here that's, that's forever, right? Everything's so temporary. And it's wonderful to read these blessed words. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Something so wonderful that has no end. And here we have it in verse 6. These are powerful words that the psalm, psalmist uh, gives to us. The Bible teaches us that those who know the Lord as their shepherd will dwell in the house of the Lord. And you can underline that word or those words forever. Isn't that great? On the other hand, Jude chapter, or there's only one chapter in Jude. Jude 13 describes the forever that awaits those who don't know the Lord as their shepherd. The Bible says in Jude 13, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. It's describing that place that we refer to as hell, that place of fire and torment where the Bible says their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Where will you spend eternity? Do you have a shepherd? Does your soul have a shepherd? Can you say like the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd? And because of that, he could truly say, I shall not want. Because truly God meets all of our needs. From salvation to eternity, he takes care of us. It's difficult sometimes for us to comprehend forever. Because everything we know of on earth has an ending but our Lord has promised us that when this life is over, we will have a beginning that will never come to an end forever. Isn't that good? Where we will forever be with Jesus. Where we will ever be with Him. And using other phrases like that as the Scriptures provide for us, God gives us that hope of eternal life. When I read Psalm 23, I am reminded of what it means to enjoy the family of God. You know, we sing that chorus in church. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. It's a great chorus. And I hope that when we sing it, you sing it from your heart. I hope that you really mean it and enjoy it the way the songwriter surely intended. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, right? We belong to the Lord and Therefore, we belong to one another. What a great family it is to be in God's family. You know, the family of God is a wonderful thing. And, and, and the psalmist is alluding to that when he says, The Lord is my shepherd. You know, the, the Bible tells us that the Lord is a shepherd. He's the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. But this morning, I want to ask you, is he your shepherd? 
You know, I, I believe that God wants us to make it personal. The Christmas story is a beautiful story, but it's even better when you make it personal. When you receive Christ as your Savior and, and, and then you understand that He came for you. He came to save you. And when we look at this psalm, that's what we get. We get an up-close and personal account here that the psalmist shares with us his relationship to the shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I hope you can say that today. The Lord is my shepherd. We all enter into God's family the same way. Through a spiritual birthing process, through God's Holy Spirit, Described in John 3, 3, when Jesus came to Nicodemus by night and, and said to him, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you can't get to heaven by, by being good, by doing better. You can't, be, you can't get to heaven by being religious. It's not enough to memorize the Bible and, and do acts of religious service. That'll never get you there. He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. What a great truth. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I would refer everyone to this verse who thinks that death is the end. If you think that mankind ceases to exist at death, then you need to read the Bible. You need to look at Hebrews 9.27 because it says, after this, the judgment. Death is not the end, my friend. It is only a parting. It's the parting, the separation of the body and soul. The body dies, but the soul lives on. And the Bible says, after this, the judgment. Did you notice the first part of the verse? It says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed to man once to die. We are all appointed to the first death, the parting, the separation of our body and soul. We've all been appointed to that, according to the Bible, according to God. We've been appointed to that because of our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, we have earned and we do deserve that, that sentence of death. But I want you to see the Hebrew writer said, we've been appointed unto men once to die. That's interesting, isn't it? Because the Bible says that there is a second death. In Revelation 21.8, it says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Interesting, isn't it? So the Bible says there's actually two deaths. The first one is when the body and soul separate. The second death is when the soul is separated from God for all eternity in that place, that lake of fire and brimstone. We call it hell. And it is. The second death. But did you notice in Revelation 21.8, in Hebrews 9.27, anywhere else, did you notice that no man has ever been appointed to this death, the second death? 
The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. You don't have to die and go to hell. You don't have to experience a separation from God for all eternity. You don't have to have a forever in hell. You can be like the psalmist, and you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And believe it or not, it is your choice. It is that simple. And the reason it's your choice is because God gifted you with a payment that has already been made to cover your sins. So you can choose to accept God's payment, His coming at birth and His death on the cross, or you can refuse it. The choice is up to you. In a couple of weeks, we're going to experience gift exchanging through many different venues, work parties, family get-togethers, and all of these kind of things. And you're going to have the opportunity on several occasions to either accept or refuse gifts. You know, God gave you the greatest gift that could ever be given. He gave you forgiveness. The opportunity to be with Him forever. Now, if you accept that gift, you'll be like the psalmist and you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. And you'll be able to say like the psalmist, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because what God does, He does it right. He does it very well. But if you refuse such a gift, there's nowhere else for you to go. but to the lake of fire, the second death. That's why Hebrews says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Jesus provided the salvation. You and I should not neglect it. Make sure that you've decided to receive the gift of God the gift of forgiveness of your sins, the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. I preached about that in detail last week, and you can go back and hear the message if you'd like. But today, understand this, there is a second death, and you have not been appointed to it. Today, if you have not, you can receive Christ as your Savior. Allow Him to be your shepherd, and you can bypass this right here. It's been appointed to man once to die, not twice. Now, we see what the Scripture teaches. The Bible also talks about birth. We have been born once. You have been born, haven't you? I mean, you're here, right? We've all experienced that earthly, physical birth. And Jesus alluded to that in John chapter 3 in His deep conversation with Nicodemus about being born again. And, and that was a spiritual birth. And so, in John 3, 3, this is what he said to Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So without this second birth, you can't experience God's kingdom or you can't go to His heaven. So we understand, we have experienced the first birth, but there is a second that, that the Lord offers to us. He's offered that second birth. Now, last week in the message, 
We went through this in detail. And we talked about how that when you receive Christ, then you also get the gift of eternal life. Because the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5 that this life is in His Son. So that you have Jesus, you have eternal life. That's what the Bible says. He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So when you have Jesus, you have that second birth, you have heaven to look forward to. You say, what does all this mean, preacher? Well, it means this. It means uh, if you're born only once, then you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, then you'll die only once. Simple math, right? Elementary, my dear Watson. Right here today. Isn't God good to give us these things so that our hearts could be reassured just like the psalmist? He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, he had the assurance and the confidence to say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, listen, the beauty of that is amazing. It's God's gift to us. So we notice the last phrase, the Lord... We notice the the first and last, excuse me, the Lord is my shepherd and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Both of these were gifts to the psalmist. This is what it means to be part of the family of God. In both of these phrases, we find that the name Lord is used in the psalm. This name for God means Jehovah. When this name is used, it is referring to the God who makes a covenant with His people. By the way, salvation is a covenant. The Bible has the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We call it the Old Testament, the New Testament. It's a covenant that God made. And it's interesting, when God made a covenant with man, that God made the covenant based on His performance alone, not ours. In the Old Testament, there's an example of that when God made a covenant with Abraham and God had Abraham to fall asleep. And the ceremony for that covenant, remember, was for them to walk among the pieces of the offering. Abraham slept through the ceremony, so who do you think walked through the offering? God. What did that mean? What was that story about? It was telling us that God made a covenant with us And that covenant solely depends on the acts of God, not on our merit. We don't earn a status with God. We don't earn our relationship with God. And we don't keep our relationship with God. Everything is in His hands. The Lord makes a covenant with us based on what He intends to do. And then God is faithful to fulfill that covenant whether or not we do our part. Didn't God do that with Israel and Abraham? He certainly did. That was Old Covenant. So guess what God was doing? He was laying the foundation, showing us that in the New Covenant, He was going to do the same thing. He was going to provide salvation to us based on His intended acts, not on ours. So that when God saves us, it's not based on what we did or on what we will do. It's based on what He has done. 
What a great covenant. God does not operate on the basis of contract. Notice I said covenant. A covenant is a promise. A contract is an agreement. In a contract, both parties come together and they agree to do certain things. And if one party fails to keep his or her commitment, the contract is broken and the other person is free to withdraw from the payment or fulfilling the terms or the obligations of the contract. God did not give us salvation on the basis of a contract. It's a covenant. And we need to stop judging God on the basis of the works of man. Quit, quit trying to interpret the Bible based on our understanding of how we do things. We need to study the Bible on the basis of understanding how God does things. Oh, He's a little different from us, isn't He? And aren't you glad that He is? Amen. That God gave us a covenant. By the way, God gave a covenant to Israel. The Bible tells us during this church age that He would set Israel aside and He would work with the church for a time. And then God would resume His work with Israel and He's going to do that. God is going to fulfill His covenant with Israel. He's going to keep His promise exactly like He said He was. You can take that to the bank. People say today, oh well, you can throw away the Old Testament. That doesn't apply anymore. And when they do that, they miss lessons just like the one that I gave you in the, in the covenant God made with Israel and with Abraham. Jesus said, I am not come to destroy the law, the Old Testament, but to fulfill it. And you have to understand that the New Testament is built on top of the Old. Jesus didn't discard the Old. He fulfilled it. It's kind of like the finalizing of the foundation, and then He built the framework of the New Covenant on top of that. And aren't you glad our New Testament, our New Covenant, has the foundation of the old underneath? And so that we know that we can trust the promises of God because of what He did in the Old Testament. Now we come to the New and we come with assurance, and we come with faith, understanding what God gave us, and we rejoice, just like the psalmist, knowing that we're a part of the family of God because our God, Jehovah God, is a covenant-keeping God. He keeps His promises. He does what He says. And if you're a part of God's family, you can be certain that heaven is your eternal home. Some people think it's arrogant to say, hey, when I die, I'm going to heaven. But if you understand the Bible, that's not arrogance. That's assurance. That's confidence. It's like having a signed check in your pocket. The deal is done. That's what God gave us. If you can call the Lord your shepherd, then you can also say, like the psalmist, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that going to be good? You know, this is the kind of stuff that we need to remember when a friend or loved one passes. For them, their faith has now become sight. 
That new beginning has begun and it has no ending. And I promise you, if they could, they would not give that up to come back here and be with us. Because they're saying, like the songwriter wrote, I wish you were here. This is such a beautiful place. I wish you were here. They don't want to come back to us. They want us to come and be with them. Man, you're not going to believe. Wait till you get here. They're not looking down saying, oh, I miss earth. They're looking down rejoicing saying, hey, I'm in heaven. I'm with the Lord. And that's what he promised, that we would ever be with the Lord. When I read Psalm 23, I'm reminded of what it means to be part of the family of God. But when I read Psalm 23, I'm also reminded of what it means to enjoy the presence of God. You know, this psalm is full of this idea of the presence of God. Now, sometimes we think about the presence of God over there. We think about the presence of God in heaven. We think about how we're going to be with God one day. But wait a minute. Don't wait till then to experience the presence of God. Listen, from, from the day that you receive Christ as your Savior, God wants you to begin to know what it means to enjoy His presence in your life. God wants you to enjoy His presence today. Don't just wait till you get to heaven for that. If you do, you're missing out on a lot of good stuff. Notice what the psalmist said. He said, and I think this was verse 4. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What did he say? For thou art with me. He didn't say you will be with me when I go through that. He said you are with me. Hey, I want you to know something. Whether you realize it or not, whether you feel like it or not, I want you to understand the presence of God is yours if you're a believer. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, and His presence is with you, even if you haven't learned how to enjoy it yet. And the psalmist was teaching us that the presence of God is with us, and so that as we go through these experiences in life, we discover His presence. Guess what? He's already there, and He's going to be with you when you go through it. Even when you don't know He's with you, even when you don't feel His presence, He's with you. That's the assurance that this psalmist gives us. Look at the kind of things he describes. He says this, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Have you ever felt those moments in life when you felt like everything was peaceful and pleasant? God had met all your needs. You're in that green pasture moment. Who did that for you? The Bible tells us that God does that. Every good gift is from above. God provides for His children and He gives us those things we need. The psalmist is talking about it. Look what he says in verse 3. He restoreth my soul. You ever need to be restored, refreshed, revived a little? Who does that for us? God does that. Then he says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Do you know God is leading us? even when we don't feel His presence? God is leading us when we don't know what's next in life. God is leading us when those doors of opportunity fling open. Guess what? God was on both sides of those doors. He led you to the threshold. 
Don't enter in without thanking Him because God made it possible for you. He leadeth me. What a great thought. God wants to lead your life. And He wants to do it with your awareness that He is leading. Even if you don't feel His presence at the moment. Be reminded, the psalmist tells us that He is there. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, even in the times of trouble in life, when when we're kind of having to pay for some dumb things we did, he said, thy rod and thy staff. You know what those are? Those were correction tools for the shepherd and the sheep. The rod and the staff, they weren't weren't, uh, pleasant instruments. But we can take pleasure in them because we know whose hand holds those tools. There's no abuse here. There's no fear of the shepherd with the rod in his hand and the staff. We don't have to flee and hide in fear and anguish. Our shepherd takes care of us. Even when he's correcting us, we are comforted. We are encouraged. That's why David said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. David saw the good hand of God in his correction, in his life, and he saw the benefits that he was gaining by God correcting him. If you're a child of God, you can mark it down. God will correct you when you do wrong. And if your attitude's right, you'll learn from it. It'll be good. And you'll come out like David saying, it was good for me to experience that. The presence of God. This psalm is about the sheep rejoicing in the presence of the shepherd. The presence of the shepherd extends throughout the entire psalm in green pastures, beside the still waters, down the paths of life, through the shadow of death. The shepherd is always near. You know, the Bible describes the Lord as our shepherd. It describes us as sheep. And you know what Jesus said about His sheep? He said, my sheep hear my voice. Have you learned the Lord's voice in your life, in your heart? You know, the Lord speaks to us through our thoughts and through our hearts. He's the one that kind of sneaks up quietly and says, have you thought about this? Did you remember that? And he just prompts us ever so slightly. Hey, listen, you you can quench him and you can turn that off to your detriment. You need to listen to that. You You need to learn to heed God's voice and hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. You know what that means? That means he will speak to you. Don't accuse God of abandoning you and not being there. Oh, no. He will speak to you. You will hear His voice. Now what you do with it is another sermon. But He said, they hear my voice. And He said, and and I know them. I know them. You know, sometimes we we may not be eager to be associated with Him, but He knows us always. He said, and they follow me. 
You know, Jesus said in another passage, He said, a, a stranger's voice they won't hear. He said, my sheep follow not the voice of strangers. You know why? Because sheep love their shepherd. They identify with him. They, they know who takes care of them. Isn't it funny? Look, our pets know that. And if you have invested in your life with the Lord, and if you have invested in learning His voice and letting Him lead your life, if you have invested time in allowing God to be near to you, then you also, you know your shepherd, you value His presence, His involvement in your life, you recognize His hand at work leading you, and you appreciate it. Only those who know the Lord as their shepherd know about His sustaining presence throughout their life. How sweet it is. No wonder the psalmist talks so much about it. The family of God, the presence of God. But when I read Psalm 23, I'm also reminded of what it means to enjoy the house of God. Notice in verse 6, he said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, there's just something about being saved. There's just something about knowing the Lord personally that makes you want to be there. I'm not just talking about heaven. That's the house of God. But I'm talking about the house of God here on earth, the church. Now, I understand some people have had bad experiences in different churches. So have I. But there's just something about loving Jesus that, you know what, those bad apples just can't keep you away from it. <laughs> You just want to be there. And so you find a bad church, what do you do? You go to another one. You find a good one. And when you find a good one, you jump in. And you plant both feet. You get involved and you love God and you let Him work in your life. Because you love Him. And because of what He means to you. Hey, that's where the commitment is formed. That's what makes the connection so real and so vital and so fresh in our lives. You should read John 14 where Jesus comforts and assures the hearts of His disciples when He said in, in my Father's house, He said, let not your heart, your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions if it were not so. I would have told you. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am, there you may be also. That was John 14, verse 3. And notice he used that word there. Where I am, there. He's talking about the house of God. Well, that's what we call it. He's talking about heaven. Well, that's what we call it. The place where God dwells. He said, where I am, there ye may be also. Listen, God wants you to be with Him more than you want to be with Him. Isn't that a wonderful thought today? No wonder the psalmist said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It sure makes you think of His house. And that word there highlights it for us. It's a real place. It's a definite place. It's heaven. For now we are here, but He is there where we all long to be in the presence of our Savior, our loved ones, and our friends. Hey, one thing is certain in this life, we're all getting older. And when we die, we will all spend eternity somewhere. 
And according to the Bible, it's either going to be in the blackness of darkness forever, or it's going to be in the house of the Lord forever. Which will it be for you? Where will you spend eternity? Please don't sit there this morning and say, well, I don't know. No, 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 answer it. It's going to be one or the other. And if you don't know which, please choose today. Because that's why Jesus came. That's what this is all about. To enable you to have a choice so that you could miss hell and go to heaven and be with God forever. There. You may be also. The only way you'll ever be there is if He gets you there. You must be born again. So if you've never had the second birth, you've never been born into the family of God, let me invite you to take care of that today. Come forward in this invitation. Let us take the Bible, show you how, so that you can be born twice and only die once. So that you can be there with Jesus and family and friends that have gone before, where your faith can become sight one day. As I close this message, I ask again, do you have a shepherd? The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, he could say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How about you? Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you so much for this beautiful psalm, the wonderful picture that's painted for us about the relationship that we can have with the Good Shepherd in our lives, giving us more than hope but assurance that forgiveness and salvation are ours and that heaven can be our home, not because of what we have done, but because of Jesus and what He did for us on the cross. The payment has already been made. Lord, today, If there's anyone here who needs to accept it, may today be their day of salvation, their day of second birth, their day to join the family of God, their day to have assurance for forever. We pray in Jesus' name.